We're starting a brand new series this week called Breathing Room, and that video is funny, not funny, uh, when uh, we got to look at that, we got to laugh, but in life and the pace that we're at, and when we kind of live like that, we can kind of sympathize with that, that it can, um, it can be not so funny. And, and actually when reality kind of sets in and we live at that pace, um, it affects our marriage, it affects our relationship, it affects our work, it affects our friendships, our, just our life, what's going on in our head and our brain. Um, life is better when we have breathing room, when we can just breathe. So this series, we're going to talk about certain aspects in our life. Today we're going to be talking about time, our schedule in that. In our, our culture, this is an epidemic to where we are driven, we are slaves to the schedule. And we are on the go, on the go, on the go, and we will trade peace for progress. We will trade peace for prosperity. And in our lives, in our, in our culture, we tend to add, add, add when the Bible continually guides us to prioritize, prioritize, prioritize. And I know for myself, a lot of times I get to the end of the day, I'm like, oh, if I could just have one more hour or two more hours um, to the day, then it would be good. As if that would solve the problem that we face. The key in life, the key to getting more accomplished in life is not adding. It is in prioritizing. I read a fascinating article this week by a, li- a lady named Bronnie Ware. You can, you can Google the name. She actually ended up writing a book on this. Bronnie is, is from Australia and she wrote, or she was a hospice worker. And so she would work with people in their final days, final weeks, in their final moments and spend time with them. And she, during that time, would ask them about what were some of your biggest regrets? What were some of those things that, as you look back on your life, that you regretted? Fascinating article. And and, um, she wrote a book, The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. I'll give you the the top two because this is going to be, like in a way, I don't like giving away the sermon um, (laughs) right in the introduction, but... Um, this is fascinating stuff. You can check out our this if you if you want to, but I would I would suggest not to. Um, she the, the second one. This this wasn't the top one, uh, but the second one was this. I wish I hadn't worked so hard. I wish I hadn't worked so hard. And as she writes about that, she says this came from every male patient that I nursed. They missed their children's youth and their partner's companionship. All of the men I nursed deeply regretted spending so much of their lives on the treadmill of a work existence. The second, or the number one thing, as she helped people, their top regret was, I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself and not the life others expected of me. And then when she went on to describe that, she said, when people realize that their life is almost over and they look back clearly, clearly on it, it's easy to see how many dreams have gone unfulfilled. Most people have not even even honored half of their dreams and had to die knowing, and this is, this is key, 
had to die knowing that it was due to the choices they had made or not made. Health brings a freedom very few realize until they no longer have it. Listen, I'm, I'm, for us in this room, life may be good, but I also know for a lot of us in this room, we're frustrated. We have, we have fr- frustrations and we're angry. Like if, if you if you honestly look, you're just like, man, I'm, I'm angry at this person. I'm angry at this situation. I just have a lot of anger. I'm a lot of frustrate, uh, a lot of frustration, or I'm overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed to the point to where I don't know that there's much hope. I don't see, I don't see a way out. Or we're just tired. I'm tired, and I don't even have the energy to go. As Rita read that verse earlier, listen, it's a prerequisite of Jesus. <laughs> To be overwhelmed, to be tired, to be frustrated. And he says, come. And I'm not going to lay on more burden. I want to give you rest. So this series is going to be a butt kicker. It's been kicking my butt, right? This is not to depress you, not to guilt you or shame you. This is to, to, to give you freedom, to give you life, to highlight the frustration, to highlight the overwhelming circumstance. Okay, I'm not going to apologize for that. But in doing so, it's going to bring focus and clarity and purpose to your life to say, yes, okay, I've been going this direction. I'm free. <gasps> Breathe. And I can step clearly into what God's calling me to do. Your time, your time, as we look at time today, your time on this earth is your life. If, when you die, if I die, I'm probably going to have a gravestone and it's going to say 1980, my birth year, to whatever year that is going to be. And in the middle is going to be what? A dash. And that dash represents a whole lot, right? There's a whole lot inside of that dash. I have a rope here uh, with me. And let's just say... For instance, that this rope represented time. So here we have the beginning of time. God speaks it into existence. And then here here we go. Life happens. Things happen in history. Things are going. The rope goes, 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 goes. And then, boom. Here I am. Here you are. Let's just imagine this rope goes on for eternity. It doesn't. It goes back to that little thing behind the speaker. But let's just say uh, it represents time. It goes on for eternity. It goes around the world like a couple times and just continues to go and go and go and go. But yet here, here we are. My, my 60, 70, 80, maybe 120 years, here I am. And I spend so much time worrying and stressed about this and what if I don't get this right because if I don't do this then this is going to be impacted and and someone else might think if I make this decision here that that's weird and I don't know I'm kind of afraid of what they might think so maybe you know we spend so much time focused on here as if this we live like we're going to live forever when we know that we do have a time coming. And then comes what? Eternity. We give so much focus 
to this. And we forget that we have millions and millions and eternity to live. And what the scripture says is that this, what you do with this, impacts eternity. What you're, what, what's going to happen in eternity. So yes, this is important because it has huge consequences, but most of the time we are so focused on what's going to happen, the consequences. If I do this, here the consequences of how it's going to affect all the stuff inside the black without any thought to how it's going to impact our eternity. Scripture. Scripture says this in Psalm 90. Teach us, God, teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. It is a good thing for us every now and then to hit the pause button and just really get a glimpse of what are we living for? What am I so stressed out about? What am I so anxious about? And how is it impacting my life? What am I living this for? And allow God to create some breathing room in our lives to kind of help us set our priorities. Again, today, I want us, as we look at our schedule, not to be depressed. I, 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 I've, been, I've been kicking my butt all week long as I go through this. But I want to be set free. And Jesus wants you to be set free. Teach us the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. It's a good thing. In fact, Scripture saying it's a terrible, it's a big mistake to live life and not think about these things. This is going to teach, this is going to make us better when we actually take a moment to pause. Now, no one knew this more. No one knew this more than Jesus. God. You're like, okay, God, if you had your, your chance to live on earth, God, how would you do it? How would you spend your dash? Well, Jesus was God. And he came to live life. And guess what? He had limited time. 33 years. And his ministry started at age 30. So, hey, you're going to start a ministry and you got three years to save the world and set up a, an organization called the church that's going to launch this thing forever. It's going to be what he called the most powerful organization ever on the planet. It's my church and not even the gates of hell are going to stop it. Three years, Jesus, you got it. Go. Ah! Jesus says this in, Matt, in Luke chapter 7. He says, it's, it's, a, it's a verse, it's slipped in there when he's talking about John the Baptist, and, and we skip over it all the time. But he says this about wisdom. He says, wisdom is proved right by all her children. Wisdom is proved right by all her children. Wisdom is proven over time. You're not going to see it in the moment. You kind of have to let it develop and work itself out over time. Book of Proverbs, man. You want, a, you want a book on leadership? You want a book on business? You want a book on how to manage your priorities? Proverbs. But most of those Proverbs, you're not going to see instantaneous results. Wisdom is proven by all her children. It's taken over time. And there's no one who knew how limited their time was more than Jesus. And I want to look at one passage of Scripture, Mark chapter 1 today, and it's going to give us some principles for how Jesus spent his time. How Jesus lived his life and, and made the most of his time. It's going to give us some guiding principles 
for how we can move forward with our time. Mark chapter 1, verse 35, and to set the context of this, because we're going to jump into the middle of the story, Jesus has been doing ministry. He goes to Peter's mother-in-law's house. So Peter's one of the disciples. They go to the mother-in-law's house. She's kind of hosting all the disciples. She's sick. Jesus actually heals her, and then she kind of gets everything ready for the disciples. Everybody in town knows Jesus is in town. They come over, and he starts healing them. And he's healing illnesses, casting out demons, and it's a great night of ministry. People are finding freedom, breaking free. Good stuff. The next morning, and this is where we're going to pick up, Jesus wakes up, and in verse 35, it says, Before daybreak, the next morning, after a successful night of ministry... Jesus got up, went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon, who's also Peter, Simon and the others went out to find him. When they found him, they said, Everybody's looking for you. We had a great night of ministry. They're ready to go again. we got more work to do. Where, where Everyone's looking. Jesus replied, We must go on to other towns as well. And I will preach to them too. That is why. I came. Three things we're going to look at here in this scene. The first one's placement. Placement. We look at our time where you place yourself is huge in directing your time. Jesus, before daybreak the next morning, got up, went out to an isolated place to pray. He put himself in a place to hear from God. He sought God. And in, in her friend. Now, it says before, and he went, got up early in the morning. I don't care if you're a morning person, a night person. Right? It's, not a, it's not a, hey, you got to get up early. I am. But you have got to find yourself and put yourself in a place where you can hear from God. You've got to love. We serve a God who said, take a day off. Genesis chapter 1. God creates, God creates, God creates, and on the seventh day, He rested. Not that God needs rest. Not that He takes a day off. He modeled that for us, and then He said, take a day off. In, in, in Exodus uh, 20, it says, Thou shalt takest a day off it. <laughs> That's the mic break edition. Take a day off. God can handle running the world while you take a chance to just breathe and hear from Him. Placement is huge. So, I don't care what it is that you hear from God. If it's an isolated place, then do that. If it's a small group, a community, where you can have other people speak into your life and you hear from that. If it's through worship, and, and come into church, if it's through a podcast that you're listening to, or there's a preacher on TV that you connect with, what is it that you hear from God? For me, it's multiple. I need them all. I want to hear from God, and it's going to come, into, it's going to come through people, it's going to come through messages, it's going to come through song. But he put himself in a place to hear from God. And the result was focus. The result was breathing room. Because there was a lot of urgency going on. Jesus, everybody's looking for you. we got more stuff to do. Placement brought focus. He could understand what was important versus the urgent. And we, we are underneath the tyranny of the urgent 
in our lives. There's a there's a matrix I want to I want to put up on the screen for you guys. This is not biblical. This is just a practical thing. It may help you. It may not. It is it has helped me. I think it's called the Eisenhower quadrant. I don't even know why it's called that, but just um, you have over here. You have uh, not important, important, urgent, not urgent. So things that are not important but urgent. Kind of interruptions. Hey, can we talk? You got a phone call that you you know you know it's coming across. It's not necessarily important, but it's kind of got this urgency. Oh, I got to respond to this email or something like that. Those things would be in here. They're more interruptions. Uh, important and urgent. These are crises. These are this is this is emergencies. Uh, things that you have to take care of right now. Now, a lot of things we put into that category are not really in that category. Okay. But we will. But crisis mode. Now, you have to take care of these things. But if we operate in this in crisis mode all the time, we will be burned out very fast. The people will, who operate in crisis mode will be there. Distractions, not important, not urgent. Facebook, social media, um, golf. I can pick on golf because I do that. I, I can pick on hunting. I don't hunt, and I can pick on all the all the hunters here. Shopping. Um, who else can I offend in here? Uh, football, sports, okay, all right. You guys can just shout them out. Distractions. Now, listen. This is this is actually this is a healthy thing to be in here, right? We need some of that rest, some of that downtime, some of that. But if we go too far into here, and a lot of us do, we spend all of our time on social media. It is a killer. It is a it is a killer in our lives. This right here is the magic zone. This one right here. Important, not urgent. These are these are the these are the dreams. These are the the the, the things that God's calling you to do. That time of prayer. You're like, oh well, I can pray later. I can pray anytime. Not urgent, but so important in our lives. And those are the things we tend to put off. But that is the magic zone for you to operate and live fully in what God is calling you to do. For me, how does this look? Because I don't go through the quadrants um, or anything like that. It just kind of helps me focus what's important, what's not. This is my schedule. It means nothing to you. It's, it has a list of activities that I need to do and then it has everything half houred out uh, throughout the week and then I place things here. But what I do in this is I just say, okay, God, what's, in, what's the important thing? i got all this stuff to do, but what is the magic zone here? What do I need to do? And as a pastor, one of my top things to do is to preach, to lead and give vision. So a lot of my, i got a lot of things to do, but at the end of the day, as I'm setting this schedule up, and I'll do it on Sunday evening, I say, hey, you've got to preach a message this week. And that is your number one job right now, is to preach that, to lead and cast vision. So that needs to take up a good chunk of your time. It's going to be different for every single one of us on what that is. This works for me. I don't know what's going to work for you. You might have a planner. You might have post-it notes like you saw on that video or whatever. But it's something, a system that lets you seek God, let Him help you see what's important, What's urgent? What's not important? But let the Spirit guide you in your yeses and your noes. Jesus! 
Everybody's looking for you. We got more work to do. Just spent time with God, and He gives me the blueprint for my life. And He said, We need to go on. He said, You know, it seems so unfair, right? Hey, we, this is important. We got people, right? God said it needs to move on. Placement is an invitation to listen carefully to the Spirit's voice and giving, creating a system in your life of priorities that guide your yeses and your noes. I might say yes to doing some sort of church activity that, that sends me out at night. But in doing so, I say no to my family, to my wife, and to my kids. There are times when I need to do that, but I need to keep that in check on what guides my yeses and my noes. It also, in my schedule, the best is not when it's all filled up. The best weeks are when there's some empty spaces, and my natural tendency is like, oh, I got empty space. Fill it with something. When I have the empty space, that's actually when some of the most important things and some of the best things happen in my life and during the week because an interruption comes. And typically, if I'm busy, an interruption is you are wasting my time, you are in the way, you are frustrating me, and I kind of say, peel the banana, and I'm out of here, right? When I have time, I'm like, you're not a distraction. Come on in, let's talk. And we see God start to work. Some of your, your most important things in your week or not on your schedule. It's for God to say, hey, I got, I got a surprise for you this week. Here you go. I love it when I have breathing room in my schedule. Jesus worked hard. Jesus worked so hard. But he always had time for people. Placement will bring purpose. Placement will then bring purpose. We've got to move on. Your purpose will always involve people. Your purpose will always involve people. So you may be thinking, hey, I thought my purpose in life was to like create this nuclear bomb and save the world and do all these things. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's your job, but it will always involve people. How do I know this? When you get to the end of your life, you will want to be surrounded with people. You will not be saying, hey, go cash out my bank account and just bang, bring all those stacks of money to me that I saved for retirement. Bring it here. I just want to be with that. Or go, go give me my truck, that GMCC here, the one that I really want, right? And I just want to, I just, you know, hey, you guys, you guys go and do your thing. I'm going to go drive, all right? Because I want to be in my car. Those degrees, those diplomas, oh, just bring them here. I want to just, I just kind of want to soak in my fifth grade grade card because that one was so awesome. No. You laugh because we know it will always be people. The number 755 means nothing to you. 755 took on a new meaning for me this week. I did the math. That's how many Saturdays I have with Jeremiah. Rita and I have with Jeremiah until he turns 18 and, and in the traditional sense would move on to... Uh, college till he would move out of our house 755 days next week will be 754 
That seems like a lot of time. It's a couple years worth of Saturdays, right? But for those of you who have teenagers or for those of you who have grown kids and go out the door, guess what? You always tell me, that time, gone. Flies by. If I don't set my placement to set my purpose, that time will go wasted. And I will wish I had it back. Now, there are going to be some Saturdays where we miss out, and that's fine. But I also want to be smart on how teach us the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. Relationships, how they operate, slow, it's kind of backwards, slow equals fast. If you want to grow relationships and and build those relationships, slow equals fast fast. I could meet with every one of you today and maybe give you like five minutes of my time and then I'm time to go, but we really wouldn't build that relationship. If you want to build the relationship, it takes time and slow equals fast. We need breathing room to build those relationships. And don't expect people, when you start making decisions on this, don't expect people to understand. Jesus, Everybody's looking for you. We have this need. We have this thing. Nope. We've got to go on to another town. Purpose. That is why I came. Don't expect parents. Don't expect parents for your kids to understand. You, as parents, you set the tone. You set the pace in your house. So if you are a master to your kid's schedule right now, and God's speaking to say, hey, we're going we're gonna to slow this thing down. Don't expect high fives from the kids to say, hey, we're going to slow this schedule down a little bit. Saturdays, Sundays, you know, we've been going and going. Don't expect them to say, oh, you're the greatest parent in the world. Thank you for that. Don't expect your spouse. If you say, hey, you know what? I'm looking at my time and I need to make some adjustments. And you, you, you kind of communicate that, and then maybe they're like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you actually start doing that. Who are you? Who is it? I didn't marry this person. You're, you're taking ownership of your life. This is your life, and you're going to start living it out. Like, no. Go back to what you were doing. Don't change. You're messing with my schedule now. Don't expect people to understand. When you place yourself with God to hear from Him, and He gives you purpose, and you step into that purpose to live who you are meant to be, who God's called you to be. Not everybody's going to understand. You cannot, I guarantee you, you cannot please everyone. But you can please someone. And that's Jesus, your Lord and Savior, and that's who matters. That's what's going to impact eternity. One day... After our little dash, you will stand before your Creator and give an account on how you lived. Will you be satisfied? Will you be satisfied with how you spent your time? How will He be satisfied with how you spent your time? And again, this this isn't to be oh well you can't ever watch a movie or you can't ever play a video game or you can't ever like no it's not that legalistic. At the same time, you know, I've been operating in the distraction zone way too much. I, I don't even know what the magic zone is. <laughs> and I just know that's where I need to move. 
Placement leads to purpose, and as you live your purpose, there may be some initial tension, but it will bring peace. Breathing room. At the end of his life, as Jesus was about ready to go to the cross, he prays an amazing prayer in John 17. And one of the things he prays in John 17 is, I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Three years, Jesus. You had three years of ministry. I completed the work you gave me to do. Now, wait a minute. There were still more people to heal. There was still more stuff. I mean, he's God, so why not make it four years or five years or twelve years to get this thing going so we can get more people healed? No, placement brought purpose, and at the end of his life, he finished his mission. And even though there was still more to do, there was still stuff on the list, he had peace. I've completed the work you assigned me to do. If you were here last week, you hear Paul say, I consider my life worth nothing unless it is finishing the work assigned to me. The dash. We have a mission. God has given you a purpose in life. It's our job to find out what it is and live it out so we get to spend eternity saying, well done, good and faithful servant. You accomplished your mission. We're so worried and caught up about what is going to happen within the black and we forget the eternal things. Do you have peace at your current pace? Do you have peace at your current pace? I know for myself, when I'm tired, I get irritable. I grow indifferent. I, I, I'm convinced 95, probably, if I'm, if I'm being honest, 99.9% of my outbursts with my 2-year-old or 5-year-old would, would cease if I just had breathing room in my schedule. I'm trying to get something done, they're in the way, and I don't have time. And, oh, let's go. If I had time, like, alright guys, let's go. let's go. I'm a little bit calmer. I'm a little less stressed. I'm a little less anxious. All of us have something that we can work on. But if I grow fatigued, I get irritable, I'm indifferent, and then our child takes that as, as, as you don't care. Our community, those around us say, they don't care. They just got their own thing, their own deal. They don't care. Are you happy? Are you have peace with your pace? Do you have peace with your current priorities? What you are, what you are giving your time to? If you're like, what are my priorities? What do you spend your time doing? What do you spend your time worrying about and thinking about? Where do you spend your money? Those will tell you what are your priorities. Think about those things and give, those a, give that an inventory. Do you have peace with your current priorities? And probably more important than any of that, do you have peace with God? Do you have peace with God? Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. God wants to give you peace. You cannot earn it on your own. By God's grace, He sent His Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for your sin, my sin, so you don't have to do the work. You can have breathing room. You don't have to earn it with God. He loves you and just says, I want a relationship. Just believe in me. 
Give your life to me. Repent from your sins. Turn from those things. And let's live this thing out for eternity together. I want to be in I love you. I want a relationship with you. So all of you, I don't know what that is. And as we go through each each week, kind of your application is going to be the same. Because you're smart people. Okay, You can maybe identify some things in your life and you're smart. So I'm not going to give you, oh, well, step one, step two, step three, step four, and do these things. You're smart. The main thing you need to do is decide. Make a decision. Own it. This is my life. How am I living my life? Am I living it to others' expectations? Or am I letting God drive my priorities? That's how I want to live. This is your life. How are you living it? And and once we make that decision, once we just really get after it and say, this is how I want to live my life. I'm going to live it like I'm called to. God can start doing some things. And so each of you got a piece of paper. Each of you got a piece of paper. And it has a plus, a minus, a greater than, and a less than sign. If you don't like math, I'm sorry. (laughs) But your homework assignment this week is to think about what do I need to add in my life? Maybe there's something that is not there at all. And I need to just add that in. God's kind of speaking to me saying, hey, prioritize this. Add it in. What do I need to subtract, just get rid of in my life? And again, we're about people, but sometimes we might have a relationship in our life that is just killing us. That we are giving too much of a priority to. It could be a a friendship or something that is just sucking us dry. God's saying, hey, that that needs to, to go. That relationship is not healthy for you. Greater than. What do you need more of in your life? Maybe there's something that's there. I pray, but I need I need more. I need I need that isolated quality time to, to pray. Or what do I need less of in my life? Maybe there's there's social media. I'm not against social media or anything like that, but maybe let's dial it back a little bit. I'm going to suggest to you, um, you write out what you think, but also if you're if you're a Christian, you need to submit this to God to say, you God, tell me what needs to happen, and then you decide: Am I going to live this out, or am I going to live this dash for me? Let God make those decisions. And the fear is in this: the fear is if I do this, if I do this. If I don't take four AP classes this semester, I'm going to miss out. I'm not going to make it. Let me ask you, miss out on what? What are you going to miss out on? I'm not going to, if I don't do all these things, then I'm not going to make it. Or my kid's not going to make it. Make, what is it? We're, we're striving after something that we can barely even define. We don't even know what it is. We're slaves to it. Place yourself in front of God and let Him drive your priorities. He's going to set your purpose and then you will be at peace. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, my goal, your goal in life is not that you got everything done on the list. 
success in God's eyes is that you live according to His purpose for your life. I've completed the work you gave me to do. For some of you, we need to get into that magic zone. God's called you to something greater. He's called you to something big. And you know, man, I need, I need to figure out what that is. Place yourself in God. Seek Him and let Him speak those things out. Your next step. We're all about next steps here. No one in here is perfect. We all have a next step. Just take it. Some of you guys are like, oh, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to do all this. Take it small. Small steps. I would say the bigger thing that God's calling you to do, the bigger it is, time is actually on your side. Those big decisions, this decision to start Freedom Church, while it's kind of been simmering there for a while, is six years in the making. The passion just never went away. The bigger something God's calling you to do, let time kind of sift through that because the passion, the burden will not go away. In fact, over time, it will only increase. Moses, Moses didn't lead people out of Israel until after 40 years of being a shepherd. 40 years. God had a great mission for him, but it was 40 years in the making. Baby steps. Small steps here and there, but seek God and let him drive that purpose. At the end of the day, my goal is to honor God. Let's pray.